0: Hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Maybe we should have listened. You know, sell in Maine go away. That's the well-known adage that tells investors to sell stocks at the beginning of the summer and then repurchase them at the end of summer to avoid any seasonal decline in the equity markets. I've heard the saying originated as sell in May and go away, stay away until St. Ledger's Day has a nice ring to it, and it was based on the concept that in England years ago, The financial movers and shakers didn't return to the market until the end of horse racing season, traditionally St. Ledger's Day in mid-September. Apparently, brokers took a few months off to go play the ponies, and over the years, the concept became Americanized by dropping the St. Ledger's Day reference and creating the narrative that involved brokers and money managers going away to the Hamptons for the summer and not coming back until after Labor Day. Now, the real question shouldn't be the origin of the saying, but rather, is it true? So, I decided to do some less than exhaustive research on the internet to find out if indeed it is true. And what I found was that a lot of studies have been done on this. For example, a study published in the American Economic Review in 2002 concluded that, yes, this phenomena does exist, and that returns on stock markets in 36 out of 37 countries that they studied from 1970 to 1998 were higher in the November to April period than they were in the May to October period. Hmm, okay. But, A study published in the Econ Journal Watch done two years later attributed the higher returns to a couple of extreme data points, in particular, the October 1987 stock market crash and the August 1998 collapse of long-term capital. These folks found no economically exploitable opportunity in the S&P 500 futures market based on the sell in May strategy. But it doesn't stop there. Yet another paper published in the Financial Analyst Journal in 2013 studied this effect in the period following that they observed in the first paper. And they found that the phenomenon did exist between 1998 and 2012. I looked at it and found that May was the second worst month of the year, and July is actually the best. September hasn't been so great. So, what do we do? Sell in May, buy in July, sell in September? Well, that doesn't have such a nice ring to it. And what about August? I think there's probably small, uh, some small truth to it, but the statistical advantage is probably too small for an investor to gain from it, When especially when you consider the expense, the commissions, the taxes of, of all the buying and selling. The cost of buying and selling your entire portfolio is probably better for your broker than for you. Let's consider the taxes incurred from the turnover. And I'm not an accountant or a tax advisor, so don't take my word for it. But common sense might tell you that if you sold every May, it might be a bit difficult for you to achieve long-term capital gains treatment on the majority of your stocks. As fun as it is to say, sell in may go away, My advice is to buy high-quality stocks at a discount and hold them for the long term. I know that doesn't sound nearly as enticing, but I'll work on something a bit snappier. I'm Eric Whiteman here at the XML Financial Group. So glad you could join me today for this edition of Common Sense Investing. We've been holding these talks over the last couple of weeks, and I want to thank all the folks who have come out. The first three were in Maryland. They were sold out. And now we're moving over to Tyson's Corner, Virginia, to do three more. And the first one is full. But we do have a couple of spaces for the ones on the 22nd and the 23rd. That's a Wednesday and Thursday. And on both nights, it's from 6.30 to 8 at Maggiano's. The topic is growing and protecting your nest, nest egg in this volatile environment. Like I say at the end of every show, I think it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. If you'd like to join us, We do have a couple of spaces left. You can go to xmlfg.com. That's our website. You can register there. While you're there, you can learn a little bit more about what we do for our day jobs. If you can't make it, but you still have questions, well, give me a call. The number's on the website. Let's talk about this volatile environment. For the last few weeks, I've been saying I've been waving the yellow flag. Initially, it was because I was worried about three things, not because of the trade war. First, we'd come a long way from the bottom in such a short time. Heck, with even this recent pullback that we're looking at, we're still up 12% year to date on the S&P 500. This rise was driven by multiple expansion what investors are willing to pay for a dollar of earnings and not by earnings growth. Number two was the technicals. Most of the gains were being made by only a handful of stocks. And number three was the number of new issues coming to market, the IPOs. I think that caution is still warranted here in the short term, at least until the trade, dust or trade dispute dust settles a bit. But as a value investor, I'm still looking for opportunities. If this market is giving me the opportunity to buy good companies at what I think is a discount, I'm going to do it because I want to own them for the longer term. And one of the key areas I'd be looking at now are the managed care companies. I know it's kind of scary. Now, let me say this isn't a political show and I have no desire to have it be one. But Bernie Sanders, Medicare for for all, that bill sent the entire managed healthcare group to the ER. So there's a heightened uncertainty with these companies. So I'd probably tiptoe into them if you find one that you like. I think this is probably a longer term story, maybe a couple of years down the road. And I say that because not only would Sanders have to win the Democratic candidacy, and subsequently the presidential election but the GOP would have to lose the Senate and i think that scenario is an extremely low probability event not impossible but i think it's unlikely in the meantime these stocks have been dragged down along with most of the market from a big picture perspective unemployment is low which means more workers have access to health care insurance through their employers and it seems to me that medical cost inflation is coming down. You have a number of choices here. You've had two high profile mergers, CVS Health combined with Aetna and Cigna partnered with Express Scripts. It seems like the name of the game here is adding scale, increasing scope and then cutting costs across the larger portfolio. And it seems to me that they're trying to copy United Healthcare's model. United Healthcare, symbol UNH and it's trading hands at about $240 a share, paying about a percent and a half dividend. And this is the bellwether of the group. Its legacy healthcare business, well, it's just chugging along at a decent growth rate. Its optimum branches are at the cutting edge of the medical services and the pharmacy benefits area. And there's a reason that this is the bellwether. And it's The scope that's part of all that. Membership growth has been on an upward trajectory for a while now. And when you see a drop in certain areas, it's usually by their choice. They're usually pretty quick at getting out of businesses that they don't see are profitable enough or maybe too risky for them. As a whole, they've grown their earnings by 12.5% a year on average over the last 10 years. And by 15%, a year on average over the last five years. And they've been growing that dividend at a pretty high rate, too. They have a great balance sheet, and you know balance sheets matter. Their earnings are relatively predictable, and Value Line gives them the highest mark for safety that they have a one. Now, the question is valuation. Right now, the analysts are calling for UNH to earn about $14.70 a share this year and about $16.60 next year, which means it's trading about 16 times this year's earnings guess and about 14 times next year's. Reasonable, but not dirt cheap. Over the last five years, or excuse me, over the last 15 years, it's been as low as about eight times earnings, but that was during the great financial crisis. And if you take that period out, well, it's usually averaging about 17 times earnings. So what do we do? I think this is such a good company that I'm willing to start nibbling now. I think most of the risk are external risk, things like a recession driving the unemployment rate higher, the consolidation of some of these companies, as I've mentioned. And that kind of means that they're trying to copy UNH, which translates into more competition. If the stocks continue to struggle, I probably buy more if it got down to about 225 or so. As always, you need to do your own research and see if it's right for you. You always have to do your own research. Let me leave you with one other thing before we have to wrap it up for today. I've seen news reports that have been highlighting the intensifying competition between the airlines, particularly on the cross-country domestic routes. And that's because you have the airlines expanding their capacity. The more seats available, well, you would think that the cheaper the price. Well, according to the Wall Street Journal last week, some premium cabin fares are selling for as little as 20% of the transatlantic fare. Maybe it's time to start a exploring a different coast this summer. These low fares may be great for travelers, but it might not end up being so great for the airlines. I'd buy a ticket instead of the shares. Now, that's about all we have time for today. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. listen to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show. Well, They're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML financial group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification,